hello and welcome yes welcome back and top of the day to you ni hao ni ma jin dobre jozan buenas tardes como esta bueno jornata i'm your host salome jacobs and on our facebook page today it says welcome enter with a happy heart may all who enter as guests or guests live as a friend well i'm elated to have you in the presence as we celebrate with cancer survivors their epic stories of faith hope courage and purpose right here on into the garden an elated moment where we not only in the presence of the lord are captivated by unusual miracles showering year on may the very special gifts given to you on may from the lord yes feel welcome come on board pop on in bring along a friend and together let's embrace an awesome wake of change an awesome wake of unexpected surprises to you and me an awesome wake of stirring directly from god in you and me well it's tuesday and time for super soulful sunday allow me to say that if you are out there in fact anywhere in the world with a radio broadcast a christian blog or a women's group for abuse and you feel that into the garden podcast can change your life feel free to make use of into the garden on your broadcast for we are the women of today and we are here for each other to strengthen uplift and encourage each other so let's put it out there and strengthen each and every woman young and old from today and every other day going forward so join me in this awesome presence in the garden this omnipotent presence the encouraging upliftment presence that all inspiring presence that presence that says come on over soul sister prayer warrior i'm here for you i'm standing alongside you when we once again wait and listen upon the instruction of the lord so join me salome jacobs in the company of super soulful sunday yes during a weekday but whenever it is we give god all the honor all the praise this very day today on super soulful sunday is all about empowering you and me in biblical ways you see with guests elder 
Gail Gardner sharing Experiencing God and Into the Garden's very own elder Angela Morris, a cancer survivor, sharing her story, her journey of faith, hope, courage and purpose. So I will be taking a back seat for today and giving them the platform so God can move in and speak to us in a miraculous way. So it's wonderful, you know, to have these soul sisters come alongside you and simply just speak a word of encouragement to you. So up next is my guest. And the speaker of the day is Elder Gail Gardner sharing Experiencing God. And then after her will be our very own Into the Gardens, Angela Morris, a cancer survivor, sharing her epic journey right here on Super Soulful Sunday in the very heart and ambience of the garden. I give over to these beautiful women of God. I'd like to share and keep it real, for even as a soul sister, both you and I go through things, isn't it? We go through highs and lows, some dips, some blows, who knows, and can't always keep it together, for God tests us in so many ways, isn't it? So I'm being tested and taken through my Egypt, and when going through my Egypt, it's a time of going deep within, listening, and reminding him of his promises to you and me. So if you are here today and facing sickness, adversity, disappointment or perhaps think that taking your life is cool and okay. I want to encourage you to never give up, for God didn't give up on you. But when you're in your very own Egypt, your very own Red Sea, trust the might of God the hand of God, the voice of God, to lead you, feed you, nourish you, console you, but most of all to direct you. For through that very unpleasant situation, God is working it out for you. Your very friend might not understand or support you, but when you have God on your side, He is all the support you and I need. For the very people you think will encourage you are the ones ending up not rooting or supporting you but questioning you. So if God has given you an assignment then trust him to see it through. For every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. So won't you come alongside me, let's sit at the brook where the very water you drink is a fresh anointing to the very thing you seek and where God will reveal himself to you in your time of need. I would also like to add 
you know, that it is so nice when you hear a hearer or a listener out there say what Into the Garden is doing in the lives of others. And you look at them and you see a radiance and you know that God is doing it. Yes, you could be CEO of a company, you could be founder of a blog, of a radio podcast. But that is God's doing. So I want to thank God first and foremost, then to each and everyone who came alongside me. My soul sisters. Yes, the ones lifting me up. The ones coming. The ones who say, yeah, my dear Lord. My very dear soul sisters, and not forgetting my husband, my moose. So thank you to them and to Into the Garden Florida, USA and Into the Garden UK. So with that out of the way, it is time now for Elder Gail Gardner and Elder Angela Morris. So quickly dash off to the kitchen for a decadent or refreshing cup of tea or a cup of coffee, a glass of water or juice, whatever you prefer hot or cold, then meet us in the very heart of the garden, that omnipotent presence in the garden, that you can do it, presence in the garden, that says, trust in me, I'm all you need. A short introduction of these phenomenal women of God. Both Angela Morris and Gail Gardner are elders and when put in a room together or on a podcast together, it's a blaze. Both are rooted firmly in faith and in stature. Both women have gone through their fair share of disappointments. Well, who hasn't but they here sharing with you their life stories, their testimonies, their ups, their downs, their hopes, their fears, and letting you know how God used them 
and turn their lives around. So, if he could do it for them, what about you? What about me? What about the very lives of people out there, you see? This is into the garden, reaching out, enriching lives. And taking the gospel into countries worldwide. Experiencing God, 2021 edition, Knowing and Doing the Will of God by Henry Blackaby. Knowing God by experience. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ, John seventeen three. Experiencing God's Protection One day I was traveling in a minivan with my wife Marilyn and two men on an extremely busy freeway near Washington, D.C. It was rush hour and the multi-lane expressway was jammed with vehicles as impatient drivers rushed to their destinations. Suddenly our van swerved to the left and almost collided with an 18-wheeler in the next lane. We all braced ourselves, certain we were about to be crushed by the behemoth. The truck blasted its air horn, and our driver veered back into our lane. But before long, our vehicle again drifted into the busy lane of traffic beside us. We asked the driver if he was okay, and he assured us he was but his driving became increasingly erratic. Finally, we insisted that he pull over and eventually discovered this dear man was having a stroke. He barely knew what he was doing. It had been a miracle we had not had a serious accident. I had known that God was my protector since I was a little boy. Yet, on that day, I experienced his divine safeguarding. There is a world of difference between knowing something to be true in your head and experiencing the reality in your life. When we finally arrived at our destination that evening, I had a profound new experiential understanding of God as my protector. Scripture is filled with descriptions of God's character. You can read these accounts and believe them to be true about God. Yet God does not merely want you to read about him. He wants you to know him. For the Greeks, to know something meant you understood a concept in your mind. It was an academic process. For example, a Greek orphan might grow up and know the concept of a father. He could describe what fathers do and what it looks like to relate to one. 
he could conduct research and know all the nuances of the Greek word for father. Yet a small child who had a loving father would know much more about fatherhood than the expert who has studied the concept abstractly his entire life. In contrast, for a Hebrew person like Jesus, knowing something entailed experiencing it. In fact, you could not truly say you knew something unless you had dealt with it personally. The small child who had a father might not understand the various grammatical uses of the word father, but he would know a great deal about what it was like to have one. So, it is significant that when Jesus spoke about knowing God, he was speaking as a Hebrew. When Jesus said eternal life is knowing God, including God the Son, Jesus Christ, he did not mean that eternal life is knowing about God. He was not referring to someone who had read many books and attended numerous seminars about God. He was talking about a firsthand experiential knowledge. We come to truly know God as we experience him in and around our lives. Many people have grown up attending church and hearing about God all their lives, but they do not have a personal, dynamic, growing relationship with God. They never hear his voice. They have no idea what God's will is. They do not encounter his love firsthand. They have no sense of divine purpose for their lives. They may know a lot about God, but they don't really know him. Merely knowing about God will leave you unsatisfied. Truly knowing God only comes through experience. As he reveals himself to you through his word and as you relate to him, Throughout the Bible, we can see that God took the initiative to disclose himself to people through their life events. Merely knowing about God will leave you unsatisfied. Truly knowing God only comes through experience as he reveals himself to you through his word and as you relate to him. Knowing God through his names. In biblical days, a Hebrew person's name was represented his character or described her nature. People's names gave insight into what they were like. Similarly, biblical names, titles, and descriptions of God identify how men and women personally came to know him. The scripture is the record of God's revelation of himself to people. Each of the many names of God represents a different aspect of his nature. The Lord will provide. That's one of the names of God. And Genesis 22 and 1 through 18 tells us that God was in the process of developing Abraham's character so he could be the father of a new nation. God put Abraham's faith and obedience to the test by asking him to sacrifice his only son Isaac this brought Abraham to crisis of belief. He had to decide what he really believed about God. Until this time, Abraham had known God by experience as God Almighty. Uh-huh. 
what God had miraculously provided him with, a son, when he and his wife, Sarah, were old and beyond the human limits of childbearing. It was wonderful to know God as Almighty, but God wanted to expand Abraham's understanding and his experience of who he is. The command from God to kill Isaac seemingly contradicted everything we know about God. However, in Abraham's day, people sometimes would sacrifice children on altars dedicated to idols. They believed that demonstrating such devotion to their gods would earn them divine pleasure and in return bring bountiful crops. Nowhere else does the Bible record God ever asking someone to sacrifice a child to him. Clearly, God was testing Abraham to see if he was a devoted to the true God as his neighbors uh-huh, were committed to their false gods. Of course, any such sacrifice would be horrendous, but putting to death your only child for whom you had waited 25 years would have been an agonizing assignment. Obeying such a command required Abraham to trust God at a new and deeper level of faith than he ever had before. On the way to the place of sacrifice, Isaac asked his dad, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine how sobering this might uh, moment was for Abraham, knowing his beloved son Isaac was to be sacrificed? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. We don't know all Abraham was thinking as he trudged up the mountain with his son, but clearly he trusted God to provide everything he needed for this imminent sacrifice. We know God as God's perfect provision, a provider. For 12 years, uh, I served as a church pastor in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, where we started our first mission church. We called Jack Connor our mission pastor, although the new congregation needed a full-time pastor. Jack had a secure job as a senior pastor in California, yet we were asking him to move his family to a new country with no guarantee of a steady paycheck. Jack and his wife, Bona, prayed, and they too sensed God's hand at work. Jack began to take his family up a mountain, just as Abraham had done without knowing just how his need would be met. And Jack was approved, and there he was serving and being taken care of for the Lord because he moved on faith. The Lord is my banner, and we know that because Joshua uh, and the Israelites were fighting their relentless enemies, the Amalekites. Moses saw the battle from a nearby mountain. While he held his hands up to God, the Israelites were victorious. But whenever he lowered his weary arms, the Israelites would begin to lose. God gave Israel victory over the Amalekites that day, and Moses built an altar to commemorate the occasion. He named it, The Lord is My Banner. A banner was a standard or a flag that armies, tribes, or nations carried in front of their ranks to identify who they were as they marched into battle. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it could be difficult at times to recognize an army as they marched through dusty fields, 
But when you saw its banner held high in the air, you could immediately discern if the army was a friend or foe, and you could gain a sense of its strength by understanding which king or nation it represented. Moses' uplifted hands gave constant glory to God, indicating the battle was his and that the people of Israel belonged to him. Israel came to understand God in a fresh and powerful way. That day, as they realized anew that they were God's people and that he was their defender. But knowing God who that he is, the I am that he is. <laughs> I am that I am, he says. And that's what we know him as. We know him in a relationship, not just a name. And that's what he wants us to know him. The name of God in scripture reveals something of his nature, activity, or character. You come to know God by experience at his initiative as he allows you to learn something new about him. As you experience God, you grow to know him more intimately and personally. As you grow in your knowledge of him, you will naturally want to express your praise, gratitude, and worship to him. One of the ways to worship him is to praise and honor him by acknowledging his names. Experiencing God today, watch for ways God may bring you to a deeper knowledge of him through the experiences of your life. Then take time to worship God as you have come to know him. To worship is to revere and honor God, to acknowledge him as worthy of your praise. The list of, of names um, names of God revealed to us can be found in Job sixteen nineteen, as the names of God as my witness. We know him in John six thirty three as the bread of life. We know him in Jeremiah eight eighteen as the comforter in sorrow. We know him in Psalm seventy one five as our hope. We know him in Isaiah nine and six as a wonderful counselor. We know him in Psalm a 68 and 5, as a defender of widows. We know him in Psalms 140 and 7, the strength of my salvation. Yes, Revelation 19 and 11, faithful and true. Isaiah 64 and 8, as our Father. Isaiah 28 and 16, a sure foundation. John 15 and 14, as our friend. And Genesis 17 and 1, as the Almighty God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, God of all comfort. Psalms 18 and 47 is the God who avenges us. And Psalms 51 and 14 is the God who saves us. And the list goes on and on. So believe the names and look for them when you have time for all the names of God and see how he has related himself and we have experienced him in what he has done for us, not just what we read about. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Hello, and I'm Angela Morris. Welcome to Into the Garden podcast. I'm delighted to be here with you today. This particular day 
or the morning of the devotion that I plan to share is so, so very personal to me. You know, October is the month that has been set aside for breast cancer awareness. So today, I claim victory in the name of Jesus. For you see, I am a six and a half year breast cancer survivor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I give him praise. Today, I want to share with you notes from my daily journal. About six and a half years ago, when I started this process, I I, 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 I journaled. You know, I chronicle, I, I, I journaled my every day or whenever I had energy and strength to journal, journal. And you know what I titled it? I called it My Victorious Journey. You know, the title came after I started writing because of what I know God had promised me. So let me give you a little history, a little background about my journey with breast cancer. Back in July 2014, I had my annual mammogram. And uh, at that, you know, after doing the mammogram, they needed to take a little closer look because there was something there that was just a bit strange. So an ultrasound was done. And after the ultrasound was done, I was referred to a breast cancer doctor who did a biopsy. Now, all of this is moving very fast for me. And so before leaving the doctor's office, she said to me, well, the result, this is on a Friday. She said the results will be in next Friday. So bring someone with you because it looks like cancer. She walked out of the room. I got dressed and I was totally livid. I said to myself, who does that? Who says that to a person? But you have to know Dr. Teshpar. You see, this was her specialty. Her specialty was breast cancer. Okay. So a week has passed and now we're on that Friday. So that particular Friday, I prepare for work like I usually do. I did my morning of devotion. I got dressed and got in my car, proceeded to school. As I exited, exited uh, State Road 408 onto, the, onto Kirkman Road. Some of you may know where that is, but I know some of you don't, but that's okay. I want you to know, when I got off of one road onto another road, I saw a vision of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, it really caught me off guard, and it just disappeared. So I went on about my day. I was like five minutes from work, so I went on about my day. Didn't take special note of it or anything. That day, boy, it was a very, very busy day. And so I left early that day, you know, to go to my appointment. And on my way home, guess what? The vision of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane appeared again. This time, I took note of it because now I'm sitting at a traffic light and I can see this vision. And I sat at the traffic light and I said, God, because something began to stir in my spirit. And I, 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 I felt grief. Hey, I don't know what I felt. All I know is these were the words that I said. I said, God, I've not asked anything of you. But if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. In my spirit, I heard the loudest, no, you must walk through this. When I tell you, I was totally shocked. I cried 
all the way home. I could barely see. I cried all the way home. When I got home, I didn't share the vision with my husband. I just got dressed and we left for the doctor's office. But sitting quietly on the way there, still believing and trusting God for a negative outcome, you know, for the results. So we're now in the doctor's office and I sat patiently and uh, my husband and I both sat there, you know, waiting patiently as the doctor goes through the report. And she's talking, she's smiling, she's cracking jokes. Then she just says, just a matter of fact, that she said, oh, by the way, it is cancer. And she kept talking. And when I tell you I'm sitting there in total disbelief, because see me, I had no symptoms. I couldn't feel anything in my breast. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said to her, wait a minute, back up, back up, back up. I have been getting mammograms since I was 40 years old. At that time, I was 58. I've been getting mammograms since I was 40 years old. I had never missed an appointment. I asked her, how do I go from last year, nothing, and this year, two lumps? You know, her response Her response was to me, she said, it happens, Angela. And I'm thinking to her, not to me, it doesn't. And MRI later revealed that it was stage three breast cancer. There was total silence all the way home. How do, how do you think I felt? Well, I felt so numb. I was in such shock, I didn't know what to feel. My husband and I had no conversation all the way home. I walked into the house, put my things down. I went into my library and I sat there in my favorite chair. I must have sat there three or four hours. I cried. I prayed. I cried and prayed some more. I cried and prayed so much, I eventually fell asleep. When I woke up, it was totally dark in my house. I didn't realize I'd been out there that long. But when I woke up and I saw that it was dark in my house, I, I, I also realized I had not been dreaming and nothing had changed. It was so difficult to wrap my mind around the diagnosis, but I knew that God was my only source. You see, there was no breast cancer. I had no history of breast cancer in my family. I couldn't remember an aunt and uncle cousin, mom, nobody in my family. I sat there and I moved from my library into my family room, turned on some lights, and I stood there at the end of my at the end of my couch. I just stood there. I lifted my eyes to heaven and I pointed to my Savior. And this is what I said to him tears strolling down my face, streaming down my face. Okay, God, if this is the path you have set before me, what is our next plan of action? Because you see, I had no clue where I was going. But what I did do, I watched as the Lord moved time and time again. My sister sent me a poem that became my champion poem. And it read, or it said, 
father. This valley seems so deep and so dark, but by faith, I choose to trust you as my shepherd. Empower me to be all you created me to be. Amen. I said that over and over and over again because I felt as, 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 as if I was in a deep, dark valley. You know, God sent me an angel named Mae Arrington. She's one of the mothers in our church and she was a nurse. God sent me Mae Arrington to help me try to wrap my mind around this process, this journey that I was embarking upon. An angel indeed. She sat there, she grabbed my hands and she began to pray for me. And she said, Lord, help Sister Angie submit to your will. And she's praying and she's praying and she's praying. And I'm thinking to myself, by this time my eyes are now open. I'm like, what? Submit to your will? Come on, God. Easier said than done. Is that what I have to do, God? Now submit to your will. So, after having a second opinion, I reluctantly had a mastectomy and chose breast reconstruction. I had eight chemotherapy treatments and 25 radiation treatments. Each treatment was harder and harder to pull through. I was given lots of steroids during my chemo treatments to help protect my internal organs, but they kept me up for days, about two, sometimes three days at a time. Around the second or the third day after the chemo uh, treatment, I would have what you call the dreaded chemo crash. So sick, so fatigued, no appetite. At the very beginning, I would I would be you know down, or I would be sick or uh, fatigued. Uh, it would take three to four days to recover. Then as long as five to seven days, I just didn't expect to experience any of that. The side effects of chemo were unbelievable. From the loss of all of my bodily hair to mouth sores, from rashes to neuropathy in my hands and my feet. I remember one day during chemo, uh, we were finishing up our treatments. There were quite a few of us there, but there was a young lady that sat next to me. And she asked me if I wanted to listen to an inspirational message by her aunt. And, you know, I was up for it. She said it was uplifting and she wanted to encourage me. So I agreed. I put the headphones on and began to listen. The music played ever so softly. Have you ever heard water or rain or stream? It was just beautiful, soft music. Very, very encouraging. Very, very relaxing. Her aunt, I don't remember her name, began to talk. And she even had a smooth speaking voice. One that sort of kind of like lulled you to sleep. I was so attentive as she spoke. And as she began to speak, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm listening. But then she said something that didn't agree with my spirit. She said, you see, on this journey, you must embrace cancer as your friend. I immediately opened my eyes because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I must embrace cancer as my friend. Mm, 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 mm. Absolutely not. My Jesus, my Savior died for me and he died for cancer. I will never 
embrace cancer as my friend. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So moving on. Uh, then there, at, uh, I think I got to my, of the eight treatments, about my seventh, seventh treatment, treatment. My doctor says to me that there was a recommendation for radiation. Of course, I didn't want to do it, but I did. Uh, going through this process was not as difficult as chemo, so I was very happy about that. I simply suffered uh, extreme, extreme fatigue. Uh, I continued to work during my uh, radiation treatments. I was not able to work during my chemotherapy treatments. But with the radiation treatments, I did go back to work, but I had a very understanding principal who allowed me to come in a little later, and I stayed a little later, or I did as much as I could do on the days that I had treatment. And I had treatments every day, five days a week. Uh, five days a week for, uh, what, for, for a month. Okay, so 25 treatments later, my doctor says to me, I'm in, my, in, in his office and it's my last treatment. I'm just so thrilled. And he says to, me, says to me, even though the treatments are over, the side effects will continue. And I want you to know, in one week's time after radiation, my breast turned a charcoal black as if my skin had been cooked. Then it formed blisters that open up. Oh my goodness, I could not believe what I was seeing. But what I did understand was, after each chemo treatment, I had to push harder and harder to get where Jesus was. Some treatments made me sensitive to light and sound. Some days so sick and so fatigued, I couldn't even pray. I could only think, Jesus. It all became so evident when I heard a song by Tasha Cobb, and that song says, For Your Glory. I heard this song after one of my chemo treatments were, was, was over, and it blessed my soul. And I just want you to, to listen to about four or five lines of that song. Lord, if I find favor in your sight, Lord, please hear my heart's cry. 
I'm desperately waiting to be where you are. I'll cross the hottest desert. I'll travel, travel near or far. For your glory, I will do anything. You see, I just wanted to be where Jesus was. I understood that if I could get to where he was, guess what? I would have peace. I would have no pain. And you see, sometimes getting to where Jesus was simply meant falling asleep. Through the pain, through the nausea, through the fatigue, through it all, I never gave up on the Lord because I knew he was my only source. I knew I could not make it without him. I am reminded of the scripture in Jeremiah. Uh, 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 that Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great! Hallelujah! Great! Is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. So today I want to not only leave you with hope, but I want to give you hope. And the songwriter said, the songwriter said it best when he said, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. So if you are where I was six and a half years ago, or if you've had a recent breast cancer diagnosis, I want to encourage you to trust the Lord our God with all of your heart and to not lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he said, he shall direct your path. Hallelujah. He will direct your path on any and every journey. Yes, even a breast cancer journey. So ladies, do your monthly self-exams. Don't skip out on your yearly or your routine mammograms. This is one of the best preventions. Just know that God can and he has the last say in every situation. Amen. Now, one point I want to leave with you. Remember this. When you cannot see God's hand, you can trust his heart. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. Just know that God will always be there. He promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. When you see, when you can't see God's hands moving or working in your situation, just know he has your best interest in mind. He promised us, he promised us, he promised us to never leave us or to never forsake us. Just remember, when you can't see God's hand, you can trust his heart. Amen and amen. Father, I thank you. I thank you for my victorious journey. And Lord, for those that are listening, perhaps someone is facing that journey called breast cancer. But God, be with them as you promised you would when you said that you would never leave us and that you would never forsake us. Father, give them the strength needed for the journey. 
thank you. I praise you. I promise to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Well, as I've come to the end of my segment today on Super Soulful Sunday during this midway, it's been a time of awesomeness. A time of having two phenomenal soul sisters, women, sharing with you and me devotions, experiences, a journey, a journey of survival. Sad because it's a reminder from where God has taken my soul sister, Angela Morris, out from and brought her to a place of embracing the hand of God, the touch of God, the might of God. So I want to thank my soul sisters, Angela Morris and Elder Gail Gardner. For being open to share and into the garden. And as you know, the books are out, yes. You don't know the cost of my alabaster box, which can be purchased directly from Unlimited Ministries or Trey, as well as Prophet Keith Van Royen's book, Cave of Obscurity, Hidden to Be Revealed. Both books can be purchased at a low cost of 200 Rand. And what a lovely gift during this time to a woman of God, a man of God, a neighbour, a friend, a soul sister. Well, I'll leave that to you. But support local artists, support these writers. So until next time, until we meet again, from the very heart of the garden, from the very soul of the garden. And if you are there celebrating a birthday today, happy birthday to you. Perhaps you receive good news of any kind. Congratulations to you and perhaps an anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. My girl, continue to knit you together like only he can do. So from all of us here on Into the Garden, also we're sending our deep and sincere condolences to anyone around the world who have lost loved ones so dear during this time, during this pandemic. Well, it's that time where I say goodbye, cheerio. From me, Salome Jacobs, the author of You Don't Know, The Cast of My Alabaster Box, and the Mom with Many Hats signing off. Shashine, grazie, thank you. Sayonara, disvedinia, adios, guli guli. Maya Slamati. Adia Gavaski.
Salamatingal, Avidasang, Arivadechi, Anyong, Spasiba, Havet. Remember there's no pit so deep that Gaudi love is not deeper still. And this is by Corey Ten Boom. So until next time, until we meet again, you know where to find me. But in the very heart, stillness, sublimeness, with sounds of birds chirping, flowing their feathers, hearing the sounds of crisp water flowing, the many echoes of sight and sounds that we overlook, but stand the sound. Meet me in the serenity of the beautiful Queen Garden, from the fountain, but to sit at his feet, and to hear him say, with open arms, accepting you and me, just as we are, looking above and say, thank you, in the tranquil landscape of the garden.
میلیون 